Welcome! You're tuned in to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper into content, conversation, and application of Sunday Sermon at Westside Church in Poplar Bluff. If you want more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. If you have any questions you'd like answered on this podcast, you can email them to info at westsidepb. Most importantly, it's all about Jesus. We are live and in living color. In living color. Good show. <laughs> hey guys, we're coming at you live in the new podcast studio. Yay. Give it up for the media department on setting this up. I love it every time you call us the media department. I know. It's like makes us sound so much I bigger and cooler. Yes. We are we are enjoying the fruits of John and Haley Murphy's labor in here on setting this up. So no we told you guys that there would be a little bit of a break. Um, and from our last podcast as we were setting up the studio, still got a few things to set up, but we are here. There is a lot of stuff that is going on and we were just talking about good Netflix shows that involve cults <laughs> and good stuff like that. We just watched the sins of our mother, which is bonkers. So if you had really good cult documentaries, please send that into us at yes, info at Westside <laughs> DM me directly <laughs> yes. for those. We'll talk to you yes. about them all day. I love it. But hey, we're in full swing of fall. And so um, we just sent out big win, big, big celebration. I've had a vision and an idea of a newsletter coming to fruition and yesterday was the first time the What's Up at Westside newsletter was published. Yeah. And we got a lot of good feedback on that. We did. It's it really was good. good. Yeah, man, it's really good. So if you're a podcast listener and you're a member of Westside, you want to stay up to date on Sundays, um, turn in a little info card. Even, I know that sounds crazy, it's not just a visitor info card, but those cards are helpful for us because the email and everything like that, we can get you signed up and on the subscription. Yeah, they're called connection cards for yep. that reason. We just want to connect with you. And so yep. even if you've been here for a while, it's best to just fill it out, make yep. sure we have all the ways to connect with you. Updating the Updated. old database. Yes. The Updated. old database. But in that, there was a ton of information but we're in full swing of fall, and Haley, we got a lot of stuff coming up. We do have a lot of stuff coming yep. up. Um, obviously, be on the lookout for information of Fall Fest, which is like yes. our thing yep. at Westside. Tons of fun. Chili cook-off, pie auction. Yep. We're going to be announcing a bunch of information about corn that. Corn pits. Ooh, yeah. And then we grow little stalks of corn in the yard for the Socks rest of, of the corn. year. Yes, like, we do. We really do. We do. do that? You know exactly. I can take you right out back and show you where the corn pits are every year because yep. the, the grass <laughs> is different. It's growing corn right there. Well, so great. Yes. Great. So we will be announcing that for sure this Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. That will also be in our newsletter. But we have a leadership meeting this Sunday. If you are a ministry or a team lead, you yep. need to be at the church in the fellowship hall at 8.15 a.m. We are feeding you breakfast and going over some key points to make sure that all of our ministries and teams are ready for fall, ready to launch back into full swing mode. Yes. Um, this Sunday is also family worship. So yeah, we yeah. do have childcare in the back for our teeny tiny ones. Yep. Nursery is all covered up yeah. through our kindergartners. Good. So if you've got infant to kindergarten, you get to drop your kid off in the back. If you have a first through a sixth grader, they're going to be sitting beside you with a goodie bag full of stuff for them yeah, to man. do. And, and I love family worship. Yeah, Nikki, tell them why we do that. Why is that important? So it's kind of a twofold thing. Um, selfishly, it kind of gives volunteers a little bit of a breather. Sure. Some stress off of them. Sunday off. Yeah. Yeah. However, for me, the bigger win 
is they get to sit beside the adults who bring them to church and yeah. watch them worship, watch them listen yeah. and react and they get to feel the room. Yeah. And then as adults, as they grow, they learn how to behave in church. Like yeah. kids will mimic it and they do it so well. But we, we started out with a little kid friendly, appropriate sermon. For sure. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the end goal is is they're going to be with us on Sunday yeah. mornings. That's the big vision is that these kids are going to graduate out of kids' side. Yes. Like we had a few Sundays ago, mm-hmm. and these kids are going to be in there with us. Yeah. So love family worship. There what else, Haley? nothing that melts me more than seeing a daddy pray with a daughter. Yep. Uh, oh, man. Like yep. that's just a whole thing. But yeah, we also have baby dedications coming up on October 9th. Yeah. I believe we took signups away, but in case... You are out there and you're like, oh my gosh, I somehow missed all the announcements. Bless my child. Bless them right now. We will. We um, will. We yeah. are having them on October 9th. And uh, so there's a sign-up sheet or just Facebook message the church. And yep. then we have Baptism Sunday Yay. coming on October 23rd. Yes. Um, and just that's always such a celebration. We Big do time. that, I think, twice a year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. always amazed at the amount of people that we baptize. That's something that's just yeah. great to see the fruit of our church. We also just graduated almost over 25 people from the Connection class. Wow. As that is well. a win. New people declaring Westside as their home church. And what's really cool is... Um, the way that our membership covenant works, the first thing is, is that I'm a baptized follower of Jesus Christ. That's on the covenant. But we don't say that you have to be baptized at Westside. I don't, I don't yeah. hold that belief. We just say, like, were you baptized? Um, and the amount of people that go through the connection class that are like, you know, I've, I've never been mm-hmm. back. But we have, here's a double negative. We've never not ran a connection class and not baptized anybody through the connection class and so we always line it up strategically for that and so we've already got i think half a dozen people six people that are going to be getting baptized which is incredible incredible think you want to get baptized don't know all the information go ahead and sign up there is a baptism class that happens every time we do baptisms the wednesday before so that'll be october 19th yep and you'll get all the information. You can ask any questions, even how long am I going to be held under and all <laughs> the stuff the like stop. that. Yes. And um, Jason goes over everything. And so if you're even on the fence and you're like, I think so, but I don't know if I need to or I've been baptized before. Should I be baptized again? Yeah. Sign up for the class. We'll get you all that information. It's good stuff, man. we got a lot coming up in the uh, life of the church. Yeah. But oh. it's good stuff. Everything's in full swing. And so we are well into our series um, called The Upper Room, which is we're looking at John 13 through 17, and we are just looking at the disciples and really looking at Jesus's final teaching to the disciples. This is this is a review. It's a recap. He's getting ready to die. This is the night that he's going to be betrayed, all of that stuff. And so he is leaving the ministry with these disciples. And what we're doing is we're walking through, and each week we are pulling out and extrapolating. There's a $2 word. Don't ask me to spell that big time. Um, Extrapolating principles and a mark of an upper room disciple. And really what this series is about, it's about discipleship. Mm -hmm. It's about really evaluating your relationship with Jesus and going, do I have these marks? Is this, these things are measurable. I think sometimes we boil down the Christian life to like, okay, I know I should probably read my Bible. That's super good. I know I should probably pray. I kind of do that, but probably not in the biblical sense and then serve occasionally. But what else? Well, there's real measurable things that Jesus gives us in this. And 
This week was a little bit of a harder word. Um, last week was humble service is the mark of every disciple. And this week, the big idea was um, every disciple is honest about sin. And so, like, we've got these things on the wall that each week is kind of the big idea. So, we, you know, it's something that you can see and you can measure. And it was just funny, like, walking into the sanctuary and seeing this big sign that said, honest about sin. Just like yeah. right, yep. right, there. <laughs> right up there on the stage. Just as an overview, what were your guys' thoughts of the passage? Any questions that you guys had overall? All that good stuff when it comes to the sermon. I think for me... What I have loved about this sermon series is when I think about marks, I always think about the fruits of the spirit, sure, which is great. Yeah. But there's more to it, and this is very practical. Yeah. Um, I think even ways to get to the fruits of the spirit, and yeah. so like I would say, love, joy, peace. But then it's like honest about sin, yep. humble service, yes, and that I can do. Yep. And that really resonates with me because it's like, how do you just get joy? How do you just, and it's like, this is part of that process. This is a whole way to that. And no, honest about sin is never fun because (laughs) one, you're admitting that you sin, then you're being confronted with all these areas in your life. And I mean, pride is everywhere. Everywhere. Sure. And, uh, but just like it is very practical, is very applicable. Yeah, it's it, what the fruits of the spirit look like lived out. Yeah, in that sense, for sure. You know, we said that in the beginning that there's two errors when it comes to sin. That the two of them, the first one is is legalism, mm-hmm. and legalism is a hyper focus on sin and behavior modification with a minimizing of sort of God's grace, love, and mercy. It's almost like we know that we have to say God's grace, love, and mercy, so we say that, but we're really looking at your behavior, right? And then the second one is license. And and license is a hyper-focus on God's love and grace with a total disregard to behavior, holiness, and your lifestyle. So I want to ask you guys this. When you look at legalism and license as, and Spurgeon had a great illustration, he said the way that Jesus was crucified between two thieves, so the church and the true gospel is crucified between two great errors, Mm. which is legalism and license, okay? When you think about church for you growing up and understanding of the gospel, um, because I talked a little bit about mine, mine was definitely legalism. Um, in the camp. My, my mom and dad did a good job of trying to combat that, but at the same time, that was the environment that we were in. What was it for you guys? Was it legalism? Was it license? What was the church environment? What did that look like growing up? And then maybe also talk about what do you think it is for the average person right now? Like your age group, your friends, your demographics, when they think about sin or they think about that dirty topic, which one of those camps do you think they fall in? Oh, that's like a heavy, big question. Yeah. 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 Um, I grew up in a legalism and I spoke on this before. I thought at nine years old, I was going straight to hell because I was mean to my brothers. Yeah. But growing and I remember my first few um, experiences in the license culture, in more of a grace, say like the blanket of grace, just Mm. not being communicated properly. Sure that I spent time trying to prove the pastor wrong because it was so foreign to me. Sure. Um, 
So it was two extremes. Absolutely. Yeah. The pendulum was like hardcore one way and then yeah. swung the other. And for me to find that middle yeah. appropriately and where it should be. Isn't it beautiful, though, in your journey, Nikki, to go, I've been immersed in both camps. Yeah. And I just knew something's off. Yeah. Maybe I didn't have the words or the biblical knowledge, but now... I land in that middle ground so you can engage and articulate in conversations yeah. in either camp. I am thankful for that. Yeah. I am very thankful for that because that middle ground is where I try to teach the kids from sure. in building that foundation That's really that good. it's correct. Yeah. Um, so Nikki, when it comes to the, to the hair salon and oh. if you want to know what's going down yeah. in town, go get your herd oh. did, you know, like, but the average person that comes and sits in your chair, are you seeing both of those or are you seeing one of those more than the other? What does that look like? It's really neat for me because it depends on your age. It's very generational. Ooh, okay. It is a hundred percent. It is very generational. Yeah. Cause like Haley and I are sitting here and there's several, there's over a decade in our age sure, gap. Sure. Um, and in the younger people, there is more of a Jesus saves everybody. Yeah, Grace license. covers it all. It is sure. definitely licensed. Yeah. But I work um, in a teeny tiny town in a small salon. Yeah. The clientele of the lady, the salon owner, sure. is m very different from mine. Sure. And they are more legalistic. Absolutely. And so it's really kind of yeah interesting that I do have both of those perspectives in my daily. Yeah. For with sure. the people, but when you focus on the Bible and you read, you can really see worldly mm. influence on both ends and where it comes to the middle where it should be. Yeah. I like that. That's good. What about you, Haley? What did you grow up in? And then kind of, you were kind of agreeing about the generational thing too. I definitely agree with the generational thing. I think I grew up um, with a bunch of people that all went to the same church that spoke into my life differently because they were generationally mm. different. Um, we did have like a good healthy mix when I was a kid. It eventually kind of died down a lot. The church didn't flourish. Um, but I do remember more than anything, not how it was preached, but the order of the service hmm. was very legalistic as sure. in this is what we do. This is when we stand. This is when we sit. Mm. I remember when we started doing corporate prayers here and I yeah. like bucked that <laughs> hard because sure. I was like, no. <laughs> and then it was like definitely just me having conviction yeah. over a lot of issues but um there was like i mean people would stand up if the preacher went over 15 minutes wow because it was like hey this is your time and i think about that and i'm like how did we get anything like i can't even imagine you preaching for 15 yeah, minutes that's the intro <laughs> yeah like sure. i really want to see your face if people start standing up to like bye i mean i can oh, just yeah, see so that yeah. all over jason's <laughs> face just like what like I don't know, but I mean, like there were always certain prayers. There were always, you know, like communion, the deacons, every, I mean, yeah. like it was a very like, sure in that aspect, legalistic. And you would agree probably the same thing when I said, I'm thankful because Bible memory, um, the a high honor in preaching God's word, all of this stuff came from my legalistic yeah. background. Oh, yeah, and no. and it was almost the good things were like dormant seeds and that when the Spirit of God saved me, 
it was like he breathed life into those yeah. seeds and then they bear fruit now. So there's th- there's beautiful things about it My as well. My reverence for God 100% yes. Yes. comes from that. No question. To no the question. point that I went to Canicook for the first time and they said, Daddy God. Yeah. And I went, whoa. This is, yeah. I don't know how to <laughs> like, articulate, but this is wrong. I was like, yeah. you know? I don't know if y'all are allowed to say <laughs> yes. that. Yes, yes. And that was like a whole separate movement even. And I think... That is what I'm talking yeah. about generationally of like even going to a Canicook or growing up in the 90s yeah. when there was, I mean, we talked about it in our book, Non-Anxious Churches that we're sure. reading as a staff, but he's like the whole 90s movement was a big grace movement. Yep. Yes. The vineyard and, churches and all that stuff blowing up. Which was not bad. It was a response to something. It was. But it has created like if I talk to my friends who are not in church mm-hmm. because they're mad at how their parents did church, it's all the legalistics. Sure. But my friends who are in church, mm. it's all grace. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I definitely think culturally, when you go back and you look at the Billy Graham era, the 1950s, the 1960s, yeah. um, you know, there was there, there were gay movie stars who, when they appeared on the red carpet, appeared with a woman yeah. or a man. Yeah. yeah. But it was known. It was like, well, you know, this person lives a homosexual lifestyle, but they're going to appear on the red carpet because the culture wouldn't allow it. Right. And now when you look some 50 years later, it the pendulum has definitely swung the other way. And so culture has that ebb and flow. And the reason why it's so important in the scriptures, why the Apostle Paul's always saying, you've got to get the gospel right. You've got to get the gospel right because it cannot be attached to the culture because the culture is going to ebb and flow, but you guys have to stay consistent when it comes to that. Um, One of the things that I wanted to look at was what's interesting. What we see in the upper room is Jesus's dynamic of the relationship with um, all of the disciples in the room. So Jesus is our model and our example for the perfect flourishing human life, right? Relationally, emotionally, spiritually, all of those things. He's our savior and he's our example in that. He's our savior first. (laughs) But when you look at him engaging in these relationships, one of the things I was really interested in is the characters in the story. I didn't get Mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time. You could preach, you would rightly preach a sermon series through the upper room if you just did a character study, you know, you know, as well through that. And so um, Dr. Henry Cloud is a sociologist and a counselor. He talks about the types of relationships that people have. He's a Christian. He's a sociologist. But he breaks down and says that the Bible uses three categories um, to summarize sort of people in general. That when we look at Proverbs, when we look at Psalms, and we look at the rest of Scripture, you could really summarize people in these three categories. The first one is wise there's wise people, right? Proverbs 1, Psalm 1, all of these things. Then there's wise, then there's foolish. And the word fool, it was interesting at our men's discussion group, um, a guy was talking, his dad was a Pentecostal minister growing up, took the word of God very seriously. But one of the main rules in their house was, is you were never allowed to call someone a fool. Mm. Because in the Bible, that's like, a real big insult. That's a big yeah. deal, man. To call someone foolish in an ancient culture is like mic drop serious. So there's wise, there's foolish, and then there's evil. And the Bible uses this language, yeah. guys, and, and it's very important to look at it. 
And so I think that when you look at the verses that we kind of covered Sunday, and this is veering off sort of the rest of the sermon, if you will, I think John would be the wise disciple. He's close to Jesus. He's leaning back to Jesus, uh, literally against him. He's talking to him, all of that. John is wise. Peter is foolish because he's constantly overreacting. He's overconfident. Don't wash my feet. Jesus is like, I have to wash your feet or you don't have any share with me. Then Peter's like, wash my whole body. And then he's like, Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter goes, I will never deny. I mean, yeah. so, so, so there's this ebb and flow of all of that. And then obviously Judas, I think, represents evil yeah. in it. I mean, this is the last straw. This is the sort of like main, when Jesus dips the morsel of bread and gives it to Judas. We don't have this in the text, but it had to happen. Him and Judas had to lock eyes. Had to. Because, you know, we, we said that culturally dipping the bread is like a toast. You yeah. know, it's like a it's an honor. And so when you give someone food, if the guest of honor gives someone a piece of the food, it's like cheers to you. And it's like Jesus in his eyes. I imagine Jesus through his eyes communicating to Judas you don't have to do this. Like, just, there's a way out. You can, you know, and it's, but what you're going to do, do it quickly, you know, when it comes to that. And so um, when it comes to those three categories, I, you know, I got some questions. Number one, what category do you think that you relate with the most, right? Wise, foolish, I know, I know. Like, what do you, I know. you're setting us up for what answer I know. Here? Okay. Yeah. So um, at I'm our evil. men's discussion, I was like, <laughs> and everyone said, Foolish, yeah. right? You know, when it comes to Peter. But I think there's aspects of when we're walking in the spirit, we do see wisdom in us. So, yeah. so, I, so I do want you to speak to that, that when I'm operating in wisdom, I do notice these characteristics in my life, you know. And then one of the things about evil, Judas had a secret agenda. It was always, one commentator put it this way, Judas was all about the benefits, but none of the responsibilities of belief. Hmm. all benefits, no belief in that sense. And then I kind of want to break down who's someone wise in your life and, oh. and how can you foster and grow that relationship? Like, man, this is something you don't have to name names. You, you say an individual, you can say names. That's fine. And then if there is a foolish person in your life, <laughs> please don't name them. But what does it look like to set, boundaries. Because one yeah. of the things that Proverbs talks about with a fool is that the Bible's answer to a foolish person is a foolish person must bear the weight of their consequences yeah. constantly. It says it all the time that a fool literally has to fall on his face, be humbled, and then in those moments they can turn into repentance and stuff like that. And then we can talk about evil or, you know, stuff like that as well. So what category, obviously, do you relate to the most? But how about this? When you're operating in wisdom in your life, what does that look like? What are some characteristics that when you look back on your life and your walk with Jesus okay. and you go, these are good seasons and mm -hmm. it's all about seasons. It's about progression, not perfection, yeah. right? When you're in that season, what are some common characteristics that you know this is going on in my life? What does that look like? That's a, I'm, I'm glad you rephrased it. Yeah, yeah. Because it was such a blanket that you could go <clears throat> so many different ways. Sure. 
for me when I am walking in a wisdom season. There is such a level of obedience. Mm. And it is, it's not my time that matters. It yeah. is where I am focusing my energies. And for me, that's where when I'm being wise and I'm not acting like Peter, highly emotional, sure. it is yeah. because I'm yeah. walking in obedience. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, That's it's really just good. been significantly more steady mm-hmm. um, because you're not going with the ebb and flow of everything yeah. else. You're yeah. f- like rooted in what you're saying. Even if what you're saying or doing is causing confrontation, you can have a peace about it because yeah. you're like, I am acting in the wisdom and yeah. this wisdom comes from a reliable great source of God's word. Right. Yeah. I'm not I don't have to make this up. I don't have to bet on myself. Yeah. And so there's a peace that comes with that. Even when it is a, a like a confrontational situation, even it's just like, hey, I'm acting out of wisdom. I'm acting out of God's word. I'm acting from a foundation. And that comes back to what Nikki said, obedience, yeah. because it's doing it. It's not and and having faith yeah. to do it because you don't know the outcome of those things. And it produces some some peace, some yeah. just yeah. steady consistency. That's when good. I try to change it, yeah, it gets no, I would chaotic. Agree. When when I look back at seasons of wisdom in my life, I am committed to rhythms. Yeah. And I have an idea of rhythms and I try to accomplish those daily. But there's a consistency in those rhythms that that does keep you grounded. That I am not um, I am not victim to circumstantial things and having to you know knee jerk reaction, but rather prayer, Bible reading, community, um, living in transparency with other people, asking for advice. All of those types of things I think are solidified things for yeah. sure. Um, when it comes to a wise person, um, is is there a wise person in your life? And what does that relationship look like? Um, did you pursue that relationship? Was it a formal, hello, I think you are wise. And I would love some, I mean, I mean, honestly, I think people listening are like, I would love to have more wise people in my life. So A, do you have a wise person? B, what does that relationship look like? And then maybe, like, did you initiate that? What are some practicalities of that? I am such a weirdo. So, like, there could probably be several women in the church who would say, yes, I have received a very weird but flattering Facebook message from Haley before. (laughs) I'm one Um, of those, and I love it. I'm going to call out Sarah Woodard. I literally, like, a couple months ago was like, hey, just admiring you from afar. Like, I think you're great. Would love love to be around you. Hope this isn't the creepiest message you've ever got. And she's <laughs> like, to, "Don't ghost me, please." Yeah, like, you know? please don't yes. run away from me at church now. Yeah. And um, just like I think, like saying that to people is sometimes the best thing oh, that you can of like. That's good. E- even if we never end up hanging out, like I am seeing you. Even if I yeah. am nobody, you are being seen by somebody. Yeah. Um, but luckily. <laughs> Nikki and some other people they were very receptive of that and then I felt like I could do it again and again and again and so like Nikki will get a text from me now of like hey and I'm not saying Nikki is like all wise and no fault but 
even with discipling and everything else, it's like, you need to know one more thing than me and then teach me that one thing. Yeah, you need to have something that I want and I see you operating in it and how can I get that in my life? Yeah. But I think it's super important what you said is that there was a level of responsibility that you took in initiating that. A hundred percent. And I think a lot of times we think that just by going to church that we're going to get approached by something. Like there is a risk that you sort of have to take in that sense. You you have to take the risk. Yeah. The amount of times that like people will just assume that you either already have other people in your life or they are just as as scared as you. hundred percent. Or like they have people that they're doing this with. Yeah. It's a constant invitation and it may change. Like Nikki may yeah. have time for me now and then we may, you know, grow mm. in differences. Yeah. And or that's not personal. It's no. not. And it's repeat it's, that for the folks in the back. <laughs> yes. like, like, it, and it's not, there's seasons in your life. There's seasons in friendship, there's seasons in discipleship. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that those things are gone forever. It just right. means that, we are changing in our season, yeah. in our rhythms. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with a young guy one time, and <clears throat> it was a kind of a conversation like we're talking about, and it was, I feel like the relationship has changed. And I said, well, it has. Yeah. I've had another child, and you've had two. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like, And to think that that's not going to affect availability, life, all of those things, it's not personal. It is a seasonal thing. And it doesn't mean that you can't grieve it. It doesn't mean that you can't have that conversation about it. But like that does take even initiation on that part. If you're grieving something and expecting it to change and telling Mm. nobody, that's just the Eeyore. That's That's the pride. That's the pity. That's bitter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's getting nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. That's really good. What about you, Nick, when it comes to a wise person? Do you have that person? And what does that relationship look like? I have a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I do, and I think when Haley was talking about seasons, it is very perfect because I have people who have spoken to my marriage. Yeah. They have either been, and I, I mean, some have been married for a long time, longer than I have. Some have been divorced. Yeah. Um, I remember when um, my father-in-law went through his divorce. He sat Rick and I down and had a very hard conversation for him. But the wisdom in that conversation still resonates and stuck with me all these years later. Um, But I also like there's moments of Haley speaking something and she doesn't realize, girl, like what? Had I known that before I was 30, my world would be so different. It's good. But I've got, you know, I've got a 16 year old and a 22 year old. So those uh, parents who've parented older children. It's good. There's just I think it is very seasonal. Mm hmm. I don't think age always matters. And one person is not going to be your mentor no. for 30 years. I mean, that can happen. And if that happens, wow. praise yes. be to God for you. You and have found Mr. Miyagi. Please yeah. realize how precious that oh, is because yes. you don't get that. And that's not you don't get it in a, like a resentful way, but there are specific people placed at appropriate yeah. times yeah. and you just value the season that you get with them. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, I want to say something here. When I was at our men's table and kind of talking in similar conversation, it was, it shouldn't have been shocking, but it was very shocking to me that a majority of the men said that they lacked that relationship in their life. Yeah. That just breaks my heart. Yeah. And, and I think there's different relational 
DNA genes in women and in men and this, that, and the other. But, but I think at the end of the day, no matter the gender, I think initiating that, receiving that, recognizing the season that you're in, all of those things are super yeah. important, you know, for sure. When it comes to foolishness and, and a foolish person, with that, um, Dr. Henry Cloud would say that you need to negotiate that relationship, that there needs to be healthy boundaries, and boundaries are not bad. No. Um, no is a beautiful thing to learn how to say. <laughs> and it's a complete sentence. Yep, 100%. <laughs> all of those things. And so, you know, when it comes to navigating maybe some foolish relationships, and again, what I mean by foolish is overreactive, overconfident, ignores consequences there's always a crisis with a foolish person always and right when you're getting ready to help them solve that crisis boom there's a new crisis and the old crisis time that doesn't matter anymore and and now i've got this going on in my life and what does it look like to navigate those relationships and and to set healthy boundaries in that i don't have the energy um, I'm gonna be blunt. <laughs> she said, "I ain't I'm lazy. taking that on. Oh, yeah. I'm lazy. We'll yeah. call it. Like, we'll call a spade a spade. I'm lazy. I will deal with a foolish person to a point. Mm. But if you are trying to make me God by correcting your world, I'm not the one. Sure, I cannot step into that. I can offer advice. I am willing to pray with you through things. I'm also the friend that if this is the third or fourth time we've rounded this circle, I'm going to call you out on that. Like, hey, we've been here before. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, Just because I need those boundaries. Yep. I am an Enneagram 2 and serving people brings me such joy. Sure. You'll get consumed with it. I will absolutely. I will take your everything on Mm. and I am learning all these years later. I'm not God. How long, how long, Nikki? how long have you operated in that self-awareness to know that? Like five minutes. Um, <laughs> no, 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 for real. Like, like knowing the self-awareness that, okay, I'm in an Enneagram too. And when someone has a problem, my compassion, all the meters, the flags, everything goes up. I want to give them energy. I want to give them time. Like, like for real, how long have you operated in? Okay. I need to be careful because I could empty myself and spend myself um, on this relationship. It's, it's honestly only been in probably the last five years. Yeah. It's not a terrible, it's not something, and it's still something I work on daily. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have a teenage daughter that I want to fix everything in her world mm. and I can't. Yeah. And, and I think it took my kids getting to that age yeah. to where I can't fix their world. That's good. That it really, it, drove me to my Bible. Yeah. And in that obedience, I really got called out of, why are you trying to control things if they're God's first? Yeah, that's good. I I think when it comes for me to a foolish person where I end up <clears throat> crossing boundaries is I don't want to disappoint someone. Yeah. Mm. And a foolish person has unrealistic expectations yeah. for you, like big time. And so I'll never forget my mentor, my coach, Ben Hardman, saying to me one day, Jason, even Jesus disappointed people. And I was like, is that theologically right to say? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and I up. just, and I thought, well, the rich young ruler yeah, comes mm. to Jesus and is like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do you read the law? He spits off the right verse. And then Jesus goes, oh yeah, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor. And it literally says that he walked away sad 
And Jesus was sad too. But like from that rich young ruler's perspective, Jesus disappointed him, quote yeah. unquote. He didn't fulfill that expectation. And so trying to live in that truth is is a big one for me. What does it look like for you, Haley? What, what are healthy boundaries and self-awareness there? I think, I mean, I am also like a giver, a pursuer in that um and just having to realize that when you're chaotic and i start matching the Mm. chaotic Mm. one i can't help you i can't do what you're asking of me to even do sure and two i'm not the steady person that you were looking for um because i've now let my life get completely chaotic we're both drowning yeah we are now both drowning and you know it's like they tell people to throw a life vest at them they don't tell you to jump in and you become the life vest Mm, and so that's good you're gonna get pushed underwater but essentially just it all goes back to having those rhythms like yes there are times that you break those in emergent or special situations but if somebody is asking you to break everything for Mm. them yeah yeah that's a that's a whole other and it's always more than once yeah it's almost a, a, a very common thing it's it's i need you right now drop everything your, this crisis, my crisis has to be your crisis. Yeah. And I would say that there are relationships, like even knowing where the relationship stands, if my husband is asking that of me, sure, that's a, we do that. Sure. You know, um, even if he's being a fool or not, like we do that. But if you are continually in my life asking to readjust everything, drop everything, we are not having an actual relationship. Yeah. It is strictly a fix it. There's nothing, there's no deposits and withdrawals outside of that. Yeah. You have to have that boundary because otherwise you will give and give and give and not give from even God. You're just giving of yourself Oof, yeah. and you're going to be done. Yeah. And I always know when I start getting annoyed, annoyance is my that's good mm, that's really good annoyance is my that's a self-awareness yeah that's good when i get annoyed and you will know and it comes off and i can't hide it yeah that's really good Courtney loves to tell me you're acting a little (laughs) sleepy right now i'm like well i'm really annoyed you and me both (laughs) no no yeah um but you know one of the things i notice in the passage is peter when jesus says that he's troubled someone's going to betray him and and we said that betrayal is so painful because it's so relational. Yeah. Like you have to have trust. You have to have all that there. Peter doesn't ask Jesus who it is. He asks John to ask Jesus. I don't know. And 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 maybe there's nothing there. And maybe there is something there. Maybe Peter was very shy because he keeps popping off at the mouth and keeps getting corrected. At one point, Jesus referred to Peter as Satan. Yeah. You know, I mean, there is that. But I do find it interesting that Peter doesn't go to Jesus. He asks John to ask Jesus. And I think there is something there in regards to wisdom and foolishness going directly to the source or triangulation in the conversation, or something like that, you know, I think is significant. Um, The last category is evil. There's wise, Mm -hmm. foolish, and then evil. When I say evil, the Bible uses this language, so this is something we need to humble ourselves, and I don't think this is a, a majority of the population. I don't think this is the majority of the relationships we have. 
But reading the Bible, we will encounter this if we have not already. One of the main characteristics of evil um, in the scriptures is division and destruction. It is always to divide what God has unified, and it's always to steal, kill, and destroy, whether that's reputation, whether that's emotional, whether that's any of that stuff. And really, when it comes to evil, um, we do combat it with truth. The problem is, is that evil doesn't value truth, right? Literally, the advice when it comes to evil is you run. Yeah. Is, is, is you don't engage. Um, now, I'm not meaning from a preach the gospel, go to evil places and love. I'm not meaning that. I'm meaning on a relational level. If, if there is someone who is hell-bent on disunity and destruction, that that is evil in that sense. And one of the things is, is to run. And so have you guys witnessed that? Have you seen that? What does that look like? Um, any of those types of things. So I do have a question. I love it. Is evil all-encompassing to a person? Can a person be evil for a season? Can a person mm. be, or are they just yeah. this sentence, pure evil? Like, was Judas always evil and will die the evil man? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think the Casting Crown said it best when they said it's a slow fade. Mm. So we see some scenes in, in Judas's life. Number one, Jesus stays up all night to pick the apostles fasting and praying, and he picks Judas. Judas is in charge of the money bag, which is like the most, I mean, literally, if you you had a team together, the person that's in charge of the money, you probably trust the most. You're not going to give it to Peter. He's super emotional. He's (laughs) He's going to buy buy, a sweatshirt at a gas station. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? And so, but we see these little scenes like um, when, when the woman breaks the alabaster box and fills the house with perfume, and washes and anoints Jesus' feet with her hair, Judas gets super angry because he says that money could have been used for the poor. And Jesus has to correct him and go, bro, what she's doing is the right thing. This is her giving unto God. So we see that little window. And then we see him with the Sadducees and Pharisees making the deal. And so I think we said this Sunday there is more love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness in God than there is sin in you, okay? That's it. That's really, really good news. And God, up to the nth degree, is going to offer you love upon repentance, upon recognizing that I have strayed from God and I need to go back to God. I think Judas, I think that's why it says, Jesus gave him the bread, then Satan entered him. That's right. Those verses are right next to each other. Um, And then, you know, that's possession. I don't believe a believer can be demonically possessed because they have the Holy Spirit in them. But I believe a believer can experience demonic oppression. And so I think it shows that Judas really, you know, and again, he was preordained in this. And so there's a lot of mystery there. I'm going to leave the mystery with the mystery. I don't want to just go... Well, if it was preordained, did Judas have a choice? And I see so much love in Jesus. He just washed his feet. He just gave him a toast. He just did all of these things. So to answer your question succinctly, I think it's a slow fade. Um, You can, you know, now the speed of that can be, you know, per 
was Hitler. You know, I mean, this, that, and the other. I think you can ramp that up with your own choices, but I do think it's a slow fade when it comes to that. I do think I have seen it in life, but I think I have almost always seen it associated with it ramps up when power ramps up. 100%. Mm. An evil person always desires a position of power. Yeah. And they and they desire it extremely quickly. I mean, I'm talking initial meeting someone. Yeah. Or I mean, it's like, I mean, anytime there's been times on Sundays where I've met someone for the very first time and they have told me how good they are at something mm-hmm. and that they should start and lead a ministry. Nope. And it's like Bro, I'm not I'm 80% confident I know your name. Like, and so I'm not saying now again, let me correct myself. I'm not saying that's an evil person. Okay. Yeah. I'm 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 very sorry. <laughs> what I do mean is that's a relational red flag. Yeah. When it when it ramps up that quick and it's all about a position of power and authority, that's a very dangerous place to be, you know, for sure. So I I, I love it. I love looking at Jesus. I love looking at these sort of three relationships. And again, Jesus is our Savior, but he's also the example of what a healthy, emotional, relational life looks like, you know? And we said the reason why we have to have the hard conversations about evil and about sin is because we're honest about sin because we have hope in the Savior. Yeah. If we're going to say that Jesus is good and that he saves me, we have to say, from what? Right. And why was the cross so brutal? And why was the resurrection so beautiful? And it's because sin is so brutal and it is so devastating in that sense. And so any final closing thoughts or questions, guys? Um, I think you answered the one question we had come in when it come to things. So. Love it. I'm also just not over the fact that John was leaning against Jesus. Yeah. They well, were snuggling. You got to think know, about uh, the like, Middle Eastern kind of Aladdin type meal. I get you, but yeah. I'm just like, I guess because of that reverence of just like, and the amount of people who touched him in a crowd hoping to be healed. And yeah. you are just like casually posted up next yeah. to the savior elbow to elbow, just eating some bread and hearing olive his, oil. Hearing Jesus's heartbeat. Mm. like what i feel like peter or yeah was just asking because he was like yo like you are you are touching this (laughs) you are in you are in bro ask he'll tell you yeah like he'll tell you you. because i don't know if he'll tell me but he will tell you and if i ask one more question he's going to be a little aggravated because i always be asking the question Yeah, yeah. yeah and isn't it interesting that jesus never publicly outs judas right but he'll call Peter Satan. Right. Like and, that boggles my brain. But and and I think there's something there in the sense that was Jesus loving Judas by honoring him? And because Jesus is not into shame and guilt. No. If he would have said something, Peter would have fought him. Like Pe- I mean, Peter would have thrown hands with Judas. I almost feel like a call out is intimacy. Yeah. Like yeah. if you don't love somebody why do you care yes. what they're doing mm. i care because i love you i, I love get you. angry because i love you yeah that's yeah. good that's parenting that's marriage that's yep. everything yes. else if you were just a friend if you were just somebody that is if the swan's truck life, is getting ready to pull out in front of me and you're not waving me down how bad do you hate me yeah. you know what i mean yeah but yes. maybe there is in that moment, since Jesus didn't call out Judas, you only discipline the ones that you know. I mean, it was very personal. It yeah. was very much so between Jesus and between Judas because the disciples, 
That was one of our points Sunday is sin is sneaky. Yeah. That the disciples didn't know it was Judas. Yeah. That means that he talked the talk, he walked the walk, and we said proximity to Jesus does not mean intimacy with Jesus. And that is a word for Butler that, County, man. That is a big, big deal. I felt like you could have like been like, and I'm done, and just walked off right yeah. then and there. Because we do live in the Bible Belt. 100%. We do live in the nanny took me to church, I've yeah. done this, I've done the check marks. Yep. But that relationship still isn't always there. Yes. It is crazy to me because I didn't even know what the Bible Belt was when I was a kid until I like left it for a millisecond. Yeah. And then, but... If you ask any of my friends, if you ask people in this area who grew up in this area, it's like, okay, well, how long have you been going to church? Oh, forever. All my yeah, life. Forever. When did you start your relationship with Jesus? It wasn't until my mid 20s. Yep. yep. And it's like, coming you would, in. You yeah, would think right. that those things go hand in hand, but yep. the amount of times it's like, well, I was doing this, but I had no idea what we were doing or yes. why we were doing it, just that we had to. Yes, and I think parents even sometimes try to justify it by going, my kids will be raised in church. Mm-hmm. Praise be to God for that. Yeah. That is incredible. That's also not a relationship nope. with Jesus. It's the starting point. It's a great place to start, but it doesn't, you can't self-justify as a parent and lay no. your head down on your pillow at night going, well, I raised them in church. It's like Judas went to the best seminary, the best seminary the world has ever known, for three years. And the proximity didn't equal intimacy yeah. in that sense. And so I'm excited about the series, man. We have a special guest coming this Sunday. We're going to press pause um, on the Upper Room series. Um, we made the announcement that our church has been um, for really a couple of years yeah. on this journey of hiring an executive pastor, sort of um, co-equal right-hand man, someone to come in, execute, help execute the vision as the church grows, staff grows, all of that stuff. And so we are quickly coming up on um, a finalist. I feel like that's like um, American Idol or something like that. I really like was like, I yeah. wanted to <laughs> but, smash um, a button. But a really good relationship, a guy who's come down and, and, and met a lot of the team, Mr. Alex Clark, is going to be coming down Sunday. And sort of, if you grew up Baptist, they called this preaching in view of a calling is what it was. And so there's there's like-mindedness, um, there's kindred spirits and hearts there, and I'm really excited for people to hear Alex has a crazy story of God's faithfulness. And so really, really excited about that. You guys got anything else before we close the podcast? We'll be in family worship, continuing on with Moses. If you are a um, parent of a middle or a big, I need you to ask them what the plagues tasted like. Um, Love it. Because we had some crazy fun last week. and. They actually had hail fire thrown at them yes. in the middle room, and they ate boils. We're just studying so the Bible. We're Take this the ice Bible. to the face, yeah. son. <laughs> it's biblical. It's, it's biblical. It. I promise. It sounds it. nuts, but if your kid was there, talk to him about it. I guarantee they will remember it. I love it. it. Well, hey, guys, there's a ton of avenues to get involved. You can like us um, on Facebook, follow our Facebook page. You can sign up for the What's Up at Westside newsletter. You can send us a question at info at westsidepb.org. Connect with us. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And until we meet again, it is all about Jesus. Blessings.